Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all shirts all sparkly, spanking clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then loop up and get on top. holds like a, a like dick theater of a magic trick. Means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Yes. Do you like sex toys? I love sex toys. Do you? Yeah. Do you wish you could have more sex toys? Always. Do you wish you could have a sex toy at 50% off? Uh, that's even better, yes. With that sex toy, uh-huh. do you wish that you could have six videos on demand that you could watch and use these sex toys with? Absolutely. With those, that oh 50% off Oh my god, it gets better. And the videos on demand. Uh-huh. Do you wish that whoever you purchase these sex toys from would just throw six items in there maybe something for you maybe something for me maybe something for both of us that would be amazing I can know. that happen is that it a thing it does happen yeah and you know and how where it does happens? it no how does it happen where does it happen if you google uh-huh. or uh, type in yeah in your google box adamandeve.com okay you'll go to adamandeve.com uh-huh. find an item that you like put in the coupon code by the by b y t h e b i you get all that and the one thing that make, turns you on more than anything else. Free shipping. Free shipping. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So if you go to adamandeve.com and you use the coupon code by the by, that's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I, you'll get everything we've already talked about. Yeah. And that should make you happy. Yay. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Easy orgasms for you. Easy orgasms uh-huh. for your partner. You know. And all kinds of fun for everybody. Yeah. Cool. Let's yeah. do it. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. To the internet. Hello, podcast land. Hello. Welcome back for another week here at By the By. Yes. Yes. This is Angela. I'm still standing. And that's Bradford. <laughs> Even though I'm sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this week we have a uh, a pretty awesome podcast that I'm actually really, really excited about. Yes. But before we talk about that. Oh. Let's just let our Patreon listeners know quickly that come regs are on their way. Yes. There were some delays due to the whole COVID thing. Yes. But they are on their way, shipped out, so you should be receiving those in the not-too-distant future. Yes. So, yeah. And if you want your own greedy little cum rag. Are the cum legs, are they greedy? I mean, I, I guess they, they, they're greedy they for cum. They soak up all the liquids. <laughs> they're greedy for cum. Yeah. They want all oh, the cum. That's great. Yes. So if you want your own cum rag. Listen to the end of the podcast and find out how to get one. Or you can just go to patreon.com slash by the by podcast. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, so tell us a bit about why I'm so excited for today's podcast. We had an interview with Dr. Rhoda Lipscomb. She is a sexologist out of Colorado. 
And she is the author of the book No More Hiding, Permission to Love Your Sexual Self. Uh, but she, for instance, in her book, she talks about dealing with shame um, and trying to alleviate that shame associated with alternate sexual relationships like BDSM, open relationships, kink and fetish, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, yeah, so she she works with couples and individuals around non-monogamy, opening up relationships. She is also an expert in age play, so yes. ABDL, adult baby diaper lover. And we've kind of focused a lot on that because it's really fascinating. Yes. And she also does some hypnotherapy, so we also talk about that. But let's not give it all away. I know, I know. It's it's just a really fun uh it's it's one of those really fun interviews where she is so switched on and and it's so clear how much of an expert she is in her field and how excited she is by the information yes and how much she really wants to help people so yeah so anything else you want to add before we jump right in no i think we jump right in all right cool so sit back relax and enjoy our interview with dr rona and we're here today speaking with dr rona welcome welcome hi Hi. Dr. Rhoda is the author of No More Hiding, Permission to Love Your Sexual Self. That's lovely. That's yeah. a, it's a bit of a mouthful. But... I, it's a mouthful, but I really like it. <laughs> I do, yeah. It's, I know, it's a great title. And plus, I just love the picture on the front. It's this guy kind of mm-hmm. looking like he's under the covers with just barely his eyes sticking out. And it, yeah. you know, it's such a great cover. I loved it. It's a very fun cover. I yeah. Love it. yeah, it's very fun. <laughs> yes. So Dr. Rhoda is a sexologist. And uh, yeah, we're happy to have her on today to talk a little bit about some fetish, some non-monogamy. We'll just kind of see where the conversation yeah. goes. But before, I guess before we do jump right in, is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners as far as background or? Okay, sure. Well, you know, I've I've been in the counseling field, especially within the realm of human sexuality for about 28 years. Uh, and in private practice for about 14 years, specializing in um, all of these kind of unique alternative sexuality issues. So open relationships, kink, fetishes, BDSM, um, all of that. And especially over the last 10 years, I've really become uh, very well known in the uh, mental health field as as one of the experts on adult babies and diaper lovers. Uh, I wrote my doctoral dissertation on it. Uh, I speak at a lot of the major conventions in the United States. Um, I'm hoping next year to come over to Australia and go to KangaCon. Um, if I can get over there, depending on what travel is like by then. Yeah. yeah. When is that? Uh, it's August of 2021. The first one was supposed to be this year, but they moved it back a year due to the the pandemic. Fair enough. Yeah. So hopefully next year I can get over and speak at that. Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. So I get just to meet so you face to face. Yeah. So I just have so much experience with it. I've, I know other therapists who've seen people from that community. And most of the time when I talk to people, they've seen maybe, you know, two to four people in their entire career. Um, and in 10 years, I've worked with probably 40 to 50 people and couples, individuals and couples, as well as from the different events I've been at, I've, I've spoken to hundreds of people just in a kind of yeah. a casual way. So I've got a, a really good perspective on how it works and the needs of the community and the people in it. Um, so it's kind of, I've kind of become an expert on it by 
chance. <laughs> Which <laughs> I is think hard. those are sometimes the best. Yeah. yeah. I know. I know. I, my husband coined, coined the phrase, he calls me the diaper doctor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I finally set up a, a professional uh, profile on FetLife, and I used the term the diaper doctor. Uh, oh, that's great. <laughs> I love it. So are you a practitioner as well, or is it just an ex- are you an expert? Are you an expert that um, – hands-on expert, I should say? Um, no, I'm more in the mental health. So I'm a certified okay. sex therapist, coach, yeah. sexologist – um, I don't do like the mommy babysitter type role. I do sometimes, I know a few people and I'm trying to get to know a few more that I can recommend uh, because I know there's some people in that, it's a very needed area and there's some that are really good and very uh, devoted to the community. And there are other people who really, I I, I wouldn't recommend. Um, I, I just don't think they're as respectable. Um, and so I'm very careful about who I refer to. Um, so I'm trying to get more of a, uh, resource of that, of, of people I can refer to for those kinds of services because it is very needed. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess my first question is, so what percent of the population, and I know that's probably a broad strokes kind of a question, but I guess like how many people is this an interest for? Are part of the adult baby diaper lover community. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you try to get into percentages of the population, it's difficult because it's still, uh, there's still a lot of people who are hidden. Mm-hmm. So it is difficult, but I mean, we are talking about worldwide millions of people. Um, so it's not... While it's a small percentage of the population, it's still um, a significant percentage. That is pretty significant, yeah. yes. And yeah. I know that we've come across some here in our kink community in Sydney. So like you said, there are definitely people around. It's definitely an interest and in, in something that is kind of fun. It is. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it's not, I don't think it's something that I would necessarily do, but it's something that I'd love to interact and talk mm-hmm. with them that we've run into a couple of babies at, parties that we've been to and they're just so sweet and and loving and like they're precious and you know it's just like yeah I love it so I I guess can you give us some insight as to like I don't I don't even I'm not even sure how to answer ask the questions and I want to make this very clear I know so little about it um and I want to make sure that I don't say anything that is insulting I'm not yucking anyone's yum I'm just really trying to understand what an adult gets out of maybe diaper play? Well, and it varies. I, I always like to tell people it's a, it's a continuum and, and there's kind of a broad range. Um, at, at one far end of the continuum, you have what are called the adult babies or the littles. They often yes. describe themselves as, um, and that end of the continuum really is more of an identity for people. Um, they they really feel like they have both their adult side and this younger version of themselves. Um, and it can be a wide range of, I mean, it can be infant all the way up to teenager. Um, most of them are probably more in the toddler, early school age kind of, age range. Um, it can be sexualized for a lot of people, but for many people, it's more of just of a comfort, um, sort of a stress anxiety reducing type of activity, uh, that just makes them feel safe and nurtured and comfortable. Um, 
at the other far end of the spectrum, you have what are called the diaper lovers, or that's where you clinically it's, it's considered a diaper fetish uh, because the diaper itself is very sexualized to the person. Mm. Most diaper lovers, it tends to be very sexualized. Um, it tends to be about the fetish type of aspect. I have met a few people who identify as diaper lovers who say it's not sexual for them at all. It is completely about the anxiety and the stress reduction. So it's not absolute. And then you have people in the middle of that spectrum who they would say, yeah, I've I've got, I definitely got a little side and I enjoy that, but the diaper can be very sexualized for me. And I, I, I definitely have that fetish aspect to, to it. Um, So it really kind of goes across the the spectrum there. Um, I often like to tell people that I think the spectrum goes broader than what we tend to think of it currently. Um, Because if you've ever met those adults who are really into things like Disney, you know, I'll see these young adult couples and they're 35 years old. They have no children, but their favorite vacation is to spend a week at, at Disney World or Disneyland. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's, there is still that sort of young component to them. They don't consider themselves part of this community. But yet, if you want to think of the spectrum out far enough, they kind of fall into that in a way. Because they really can get more in touch with that young excitement of childhood that so many adults tend to lose as they get older. Oh, <gasps> man. I... I feel like this is a therapy session for me because <laughs> you're spot on. Uh, and I, I love that you say that. And Angela and I often say that, you know, the biggest problem with most adults is we're, we're structured to forget how to play. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We don't have enough playtime. Yeah. And so we often like we've done, we've been at um, swinger communities where we put out a big piece of plastic and put, we were teaching new room massage uh lessons, but we all ended up doing a slip and slide. You know, so you've got people aged, you know, late twenties to even in their sixties sliding down this hill. And everybody's like, that was amazing. We don't get to do that. And we don't get rarely give ourselves permission. Yeah. It is basically giving yourself permission to have that sort of fun, spontaneous enjoyment that the children have no problem doing. And so many of us, as we get older, it, it tends to go away. It's such a shame. It yeah. is. It is. It's interesting too, what you're describing. So we do pet play. And oh, for yes. me, I, I'm a fox. Uh, and what you're describing about just sort of letting loose and that ang- losing the anxiety and having that comfort. For me, I, I mean, that would be the collar. As soon as I get a collar on, I calm down. Right. But I think people who are into pet play, it is. It's it's that kind of animal excitement of, especially if you if your pet play is more kind of puppy um, younger puppy, kitten, yeah. young fox, you know, you know, it's, it's that playful, joyful type of excitement and enthusiasm. Um, I've seen it sometimes at some of the ABDL conferences that you have people who are into pup play or kitten play and, you know, they come over and they're, it's just like a dog. They're just so excited and they want to be pet and touched and loved and, mm-hmm. you know, they snuggle with you and it's, it's so adorable. So going back to kind of the the littles community, uh, do many of them have people that are like their their mommies or do they 
like, is it kind of like, do they already have someone or is there just kind of a community and there's a few mommies that kind of over, I'm going to say oversee babysit maybe. I'm also going to assume there's daddies as well. <laughs> there's probably daddies as well. Yes. Um, yeah. There, I mean, there's both. And in some communities, it can even expand out to aunts and uncles, cousins, mm. Um, you know, some people will think of it in that sort of family structure, but you know, I think for a lot of people who are particularly more on the adult baby side of the spectrum, they definitely want that sort of parent figure, that mommy, that daddy, that caregiver. And ideally, I think they want it to be their romantic partner. Um, now a lot of, for some people are at the far end of the, um, AB spectrum when they're in that little space they're not going to want to be sexual with their partner. Um, right. Sex for them at that point is very like it would be for a young child. It's very solo play, masturbatory type of sexual interactions. And when they go to then be sexual with their partner, it's almost like they now have to go back into their adult headspace. Uh, uh, but, yeah. but not all. I mean, there are some who can stay in that little headspace and still be sexual with their partner. But for many of them, it, it just feels sort of, icky and uncomfortable fair enough right. yeah that makes sense yeah. It's, it's, it's so fascinating the the parallels between littles and pet play yeah like oh, I, yeah. i'm just you're saying things i'm like oh yeah that makes sense oh yeah i i, I feel the very similar way mm-hmm. yeah no i think there are a lot of parallels between people who are into pet play and people who are in the abdl world there there do seem to be a lot of parallels mm. and, and remind me what is abdl um adult baby diaper lover there we go. Oof. Thank you. I, I, I tend to use these <laughs> acronyms so quickly. You, you said AB before, and I was like, I feel like I should know that, and I should. Um, <laughs> no, I, I probably didn't do a good job of explaining that. So I no, no, not at all, not at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not you; it's us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so used to it that I just kind of go with it. <laughs> so. Can you give us a little more information on sort of the demographics of people who are in the ABDL lifestyle? Sure. You know, traditionally, it's, it's been believed that it, there tend to be more men than women. I I really think in the last few years, that's changing. I think you're starting to see a lot more women who are getting into ABDL or even sometimes the global, uh, the umbrella term is age play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are more and more women getting into it. A lot of the women who get into it, I think, are more into that sort of little girl phase than they are into the like the baby side mm-hmm. uh, but uh, certainly not all but m- I think more of them especially recently they they kind of enjoy that being able to get in touch with that little girl side I say that's interesting as well because it, I would say in society in general I would say women are being pushed to be stronger women. And sometimes you do kind of need that moment of, I just need to just be free, have a little fun and let go and, and not have that pressure of having to be strong and having to take care of everything. Yeah. And it seems like this would be an outlet for that. It would be a way to do that. It is kind of an outlet for that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think we all probably have that childlike side of us and it comes out in different ways for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember once I was at a, a a swinging event and one of my friends, long-term friends came up to me and said, you know, you're like the most adult woman I think I've ever met. <laughs> and I'm looking at it like, I'm not sure. Is that a compliment? <laughs> <laughs> 
thank do you. I say thank you? I'm not, you know, and I and I eventually came to realize that that the little girl side of me tends to come out when I'm sick. So of course he's mm. never going to see that side. You know, my husband sees that side because yeah. yeah, he's the one who sees me when I'm sick and I'm I don't feel well and I I tend to get a little bit more childlike, but he's right. The, in my adult mode, I'm I'm very adult. <laughs> <laughs> and fair enough i think you know it's funny i i, I know that my my sort of um how i per- put out my persona has changed over the past few years and i know if you'd met me 10 years ago you'd probably think he's very adult and now i'm just a big dumb goofball um <laughs> i don't think there's a right or wrong way to be it's as long no. as you're happy with that yeah <laughs> yeah you just kind of are who you are so do you find that most people in in the lifestyle are they generally heterosexual? Are they generally homosexual? Because just adding on to that, I find like for puppy play, typically that's in the gay community. Um, you don't oh. find a lot of straight pups. No, no, you're right. There are a lot of, of gay, particularly I think gay men who are in yeah. more of the pup play. Um, I would say most people in the ABDL world tend to lean more towards heterosexual, but there's a, a, a still a large percentage that are gay, lesbian, uh, bisexual, uh, somewhere on the transgender continuum. Mm-hmm. So it, you do see a, a lot of variety and maybe even a little bit higher percentage than you would in the general population. Interesting. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. I, I, I absolutely love, like, for me, the demographics is what really gets me like, ooh, that's so interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I'm also assuming these are generally more densely, people are more densely populated areas because of the ease of finding like for like. I would assume that you would have more of a community in the high, more highly yeah. populated area. Yeah, you're going to have more of a community. I mean, I certainly know, I've worked with people who are in very rural communities, uh, so they certainly are out there, but it's at most they might have a few close friends or just a partner who knows. And and there is more risk of people finding out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're in a much more rural, conservative type of community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned as well that you're you've been to swinger events and that type of thing. Are you part of a local swingers community as well? Yeah, we are. And, and we, we're very fortunate that we have a, a large well-known uh, club here. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it's all closed down at the moment. Yeah. yeah us um, too. But yeah. And it's, but it is a wonderful place and it's, uh, we jokingly refer to it as our cheers kind of based on the show from the nineties. <laughs> yes. Everybody knows her name. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what our local places too. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them know a little more. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> everyone, where, where everyone knows your name and where all your moles are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and we're lucky because the place we have uh, we go to has this wonderful outdoor area that's very private. And so in the summertime, because it's just starting to become summertime here in the United States and where we are, and. It has this whole outdoor area and Sunday afternoon and, you know, people are just relaxed and they can be outside sunbathing naked or partially closed. And and there's little cabanas where people can just relax. And, you know, you'll have some people who are having sex in the cabanas. And a lot of times they'll have the curtains wide open. You kind of look over and be like, oh, well, look at them. Wow. (laughs) 
good for them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. Yeah, it's just a wonderful, relaxed environment. So do you also then, I'm assuming being part of the swinger community and then your career, do you also counsel couples on opening up their relationships and kind of navigating the the waters of non-monogamy? I do. And, uh, you know, I've I've talked about it for years and I've, I've kind of worked a little bit with it. And then in the last few years, I've, because previously I kind of thought because I was so into it in my private life that I needed to have this separation between mm-hmm. my professional life and my private life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't tell a lot of the people I worked with that I was into it. Um, unless I was afraid I might meet them at the club and I didn't want them to be shocked. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Especially depending on sometimes the things I wear there. I'm like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to be in my normal therapist mode here. So, um, but then a few years ago, I started realizing that I think there was a, there was a very need for people to kind of see that I not only have this academic knowledge and the clinical knowledge of working with people, but that from having the personal knowledge that I know things that you're never going to learn in an academic or a clinical setting. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, I know a number of therapists who are probably very good with working with people who are in open relationships or these different types of communities. But if you've never experienced some of the things, it's hard to necessarily know how to work with somebody, you know, like, for example, it it can be an eye opening experience, even when you want to, to see your partner have sex with somebody else for the first time right in front of you. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's a kind of an emotion that it's hard to explain what it is because you can know that I'm not feeling jealous. I don't think my partner's leaving me for this person. I'm not feeling insecure because I feel comfortable in my place. And yet, wow, there they are. (laughs) Three feet away from me and having a great time. And I'm glad they're having a great time. But wow, I don't know how to describe what this feels like. Yeah, Yeah, especially that first time can be really interesting. Like you said, because it is that, that moment of, I really, I'm really excited by this. I really want to see this. I'm not really jealous, but it is really odd to then, like, even though you've built up to knowing that you're going to share your partner, mm-hmm. to then that becoming a fruition, yeah. like that, it's just, it's, it, you're right. It is a really weird feeling the first time. That whole, is it, is it jealousy? Is it envy? Is it fear of missing out? Yeah. Right. And, and if you haven't experienced it, I don't know how you help somebody navigate that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, I've always used the analogy, um, until you've seen the Grand Canyon, it's just a big ditch. You cannot understand how big it is until right. you've seen it. Yeah. Like um, I've never seen and- the Grand Canyon, but I can, I imagine it, but like, I, I couldn't probably give it justice to yeah. try and describe mm-hmm. it to oh, anyone. Course. You need to go down there and see it. I was, yeah. And it's not that far away from me. I mean, no. <laughs> for shame. Someday, someday I will get there. Yes, when the world opens back up. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll yeah. put it up in my the after list. times. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. That's awesome. Um, so, jumping back a, a little bit because I'm I'm curious. Um, again, still in the uh, ABDL, which I'm going to use that all the time now because I know what it means. Uh, <laughs> 
let's imagine a situation where you're somebody who this really interests you and like having come out as bisexual for me and, and coming out as swingers to our friends and family. Like I know how stressful that is. Um, but there's even things that even some of our friends don't know. I mean, of course we talk about it on the podcast, (laughs) things like pet play, but these are things that tend to be more personal, more personal. And I imagine that for, for me, maybe it's just me, the ABDL that's even farther than pet play because I think it's so misunderstood by the mass community. People can understand that, you know, we, I might like other genders. People can understand that I want to have sex with other people with my partner, mm-hmm. you know, but then when somebody says, Oh, well, I want to dress up as a child and have a diaper on and act like a child. I think that a lot of people, go straight to the pedophilia range. And that is completely wrong. So I know I just dumped a lot of information on you, but like sift through that. <laughs> this is why you're the doctor. But it, you're right. It is very misunderstood. I would yeah. say in the greater community and people don't really know how to handle it. Yeah, how do you act. navigate that? Yeah. It, and it is a challenge for so many people because you're right. There's, there's so much misinformation about it. Um, I often like to say that the the ABDL community is where the gay, lesbian, bisexual community was about probably 40 years ago. Wow. As far as understanding and acceptance, um, which, you know, if you imagine going back that far, yeah, things were a lot different back then. Um There is that, unfortunately, that misunderstanding that people automatically go to the pedophilia thing, which really, in a way, doesn't even make sense when you think about it, because it's like, okay, no, you're an adult who enjoys wearing diapers and might enjoy putting being put in a a onesie and have a pacifier and uh, be fed a bottle. Why would you think that means they want to have sex with children? Yeah, like the, the the two just don't even seem to make sense, um, at least to me. Because maybe because I I worked for a couple of years in a treatment facility for sexual offenders, and so I I got a lot more knowledge about, you know, what's the difference between a true sexual offender? What's the difference between a real pedophile? Uh, they're not always mm-hmm. exactly the same thing, and most people don't have that knowledge. So maybe that's why people tend to go there because it's just anything childlike. Well, it must be pedophilia. Um, but yeah, that's a huge issue for people in the community because they're so afraid of being labeled a pedophile when that's yeah. not yeah. what they are at all. Um, and so coming out to a partner is a huge step for people. And sometimes it takes people years or even longer. Um, I've seen some people decades where they still have not told their partner uh, and I've seen people who've been married for years before they finally tell their partner and they've been hiding diapers in the house and waiting for their partner to leave the house before they play with them. And, and it's like, yeah, it, it's a huge mm. deal for people. Mm. Um, I think it's starting to get better with the younger population because of the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The internet in the last 20 years has been such a boom for any type of alternative sexual community. Uh, There's just so much more information available. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So it has helped. So the, the people who've been born in the last... 30, 35 years have a much easier time than the people who were born before that. I also imagine that with the internet, you know, not only helping things to be understood and to be more visible, you also get, uh, it's easier to make a community because you do have sites like FetLife and I'm sure there's probably other online groups dedicated to the ABDL community. And so it, it's, it has to make it so much easier, even if they're hiding in their private life, to at least have some outlet and some some group to interact with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you've got those online communities, um, the different conventions. Um, CapCon, which is the Chicago Age Players Convention, has been around now for 10 years. Um, they get twelve to 1,500 people each year at their convention. Um, there's another one in Pennsylvania called TeddyCon. They usually have like five or 600 people. And so, you know, I think as more and more of those happen around the world, it gives people a space to go and be, Mm -hmm. um, and, and have that support and meet other people like them, um, and, and see that there are people who have partners where it can be done, um, who are supportive because, Oftentimes I'll see people struggling with their partner and their partners in a very sort of rigid mindset about this is how relationships have to be. This is how men are, this is how women are. And if you've got a partner who's very rigid, it's really difficult to wrap their head around this. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, in that situation, is that something that the individual goes and sees somebody individually for advice and guidance, or do you try to do a couple's thing or a mixture of the two? Probably a mixture of the two, because oftentimes the person has to get to a point where they're, you know, the, the biggest issues that people in the ABDL community have is, is the self-acceptance, uh, the shame, the embarrassment, the guilt, the fear, uh, that fear of being discovered, And so you've got to get them in a place where they can talk about it without coming out of that shame place. Like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible, broken freak. Will you please love me? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to get good acceptance that way. So they've got to be in a stronger place before you're really going to want to do much work with the other partner. Um, And then again, it depends on the other partner and where they're at. I mean, thankfully, I have seen many wonderful cases, um, even when they're not quite sure how they feel about it. Um, I, I have a person I've seen here locally and he didn't even tell his wife until after they were married and they'd been married, I think six months to a year. Uh, and at first she was really taken back. She wasn't sure how she could 
wrap her head around this. She wasn't sure what it all meant. Um, so, you know, he started coming in. I saw her once or twice. And then slowly over time, you know, she kind of got a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more comfortable. And this last year, they went to one of the big uh, conventions together, you know, and they were both so nervous and so anxious because they're, you know, because they're also a little bit um, kind of introverted. They're, they're not sure they're comfortable in crowds of people they don't know. Um, so they were so anxious. And I remember the weeks leading up to them going, they were just like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. What are we going to do? And, you know, I kept telling them, just go. You have your own room. If you get overwhelmed, go back to your room for a while or go out and have lunch or go out and have dinner. Just like get away for a little while and and then come back and it, it'll be okay. Just don't let yourself get too overwhelmed. And they got there and literally after they were there a few hours the first day, I think they barely left the hotel. They, <laughs> they were so excited. They met so many people, other couples like them, um, other couples they felt they had things in common with. Uh, it brought them so much closer together as a couple. She's so much more comfortable with this for him. He can he can engage in it as much as he feels he needs to. Um, and I always tell people that when they can let their little side get the attention it needs, their big side is going to flourish. Their adult side is going to get so much stronger when this huge need is not going unmet. I, I think that's good advice, even outside of uh, just the a- ABDL community in that, like, cause I know for me, like when I was closeted, my non-closeted side, my the everyday Bradford was not successful. He wasn't doing very well, both mentally and emotionally and physically, but then like meeting Angela and then our circle of friends now who were, you know, out with, like, I, I feel so much more complete and, and like a whole person. Exactly. Yeah. And, and people don't even sometimes realize what a huge effect that has and how it's hard for them to focus, um, how they may be, uh, more easily angered, more easily um, in a bad mood when these needs are not being met. And even having the support of your partner as well is is such an important thing. And it really does help. I know that like when we started pet play, I had no idea what to do with that. It was like, I don't know, like how, like if you're a fox, what do I do? Like, how do I be a handler? Like I I had no clue. And so it was, you know, we did some research, we did some reading, went to some groups and just kind of try and figure this out. And as I got into it, I was like, Ooh, I really like this. Like, it's a lot of fun for me too. Sure. But I didn't, you know, going into it, I was like, it was a a little bit, I'm going to say a little scary, a little overwhelming of just like, I, what if I handle him wrong? (laughs) Like, what if I don't do what I'm supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? But, but figuring it out and learning it together, that that's been a lot of fun and it's been really good. And it's, it's been something that I've learned as well about me that I really enjoy doing this. And it's, and I think it does kind of feed both of us in that regards. Um, But, you know, we also have friends in the community who, don't play that way with their regular partner. They have another partner in the community that they do as well. And and I think as long as you can, you know, find that outlet and find someone to connect with that, that it can really help you to be your better self. Oh, absolutely. And, and sometimes that can be the advantage of having some type of open relationship is that mm-hmm. if your primary partner isn't able to really get into that space, you still have somebody who is. Yeah. Um, 
And it is hard. I think, again, it, it kind of gets back to that being so in their adult head where you kind of have to be able to want to explore and not worry about making mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, little well, that's hard that, to do. <laughs> it is because we've somehow got taught around along the way that we're not supposed to make mistakes and that there's something wrong with us if we do, or we should be ashamed of it or embarrassed. Uh, but little kids don't really think that much about making mistakes. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. so in that learning mode of life that they realize, well, making mistakes is how you learn. And yeah. so many adults have forgotten that, which I think then makes that difficult in partners where the one is so afraid of making mistakes is that even if they want to try to engage in their partner, they don't know what to do, but they don't want to make a mistake. I think that's that's interesting, both, I would say, in, in all of these communities and in a lot of the, the fetish realms and even just in the general swinger community is it can be you you don't want to do the wrong thing. And like you said, you don't want to make yeah. a mistake, but it is going to happen. So then it's just, how do we recover from that? How do we fix this mistake? How do we just move on? You know, is it a big thing? Is it not? And, yeah. but at the same time, we have to be willing to make those mistakes if we're going to to grow and to learn and mm-hmm. to have fun with it ultimately and figure out how we're doing it. Yeah. And I think sometimes it also depends on how couples deal with conflict and, and that fear of making mistakes can be a conflict for people. And, you know, as a couple, are you the type who, when you have a conflict, you turn towards each other and be more of a team and you work it out together? Or are you the type where you turn against each other and you blame each other, one or the other for the mistake? You go into that blame type of mode? Or are you the type where you turn away from each other and you don't talk for days or weeks and then you try to pretend it never happened and we ignore it? Left in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and clearly, it's obvious that the first one is the, the healthiest way and the and mm-hmm. most positive way to manage it. But, you know, often we learn these things from our parents and how they reacted in their marriage or relationship. Um, mm. And so we just kind of start to model it without even thinking about it. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely been been where I was because I I would learn conflict resolution through my parents and it was it was very much of a you know blame each other and turn away that kind of thing and then with Bradford it's it was one of those I don't want to do it this way because that's not healthy and I recognize that it it doesn't work and so we've tried to work really hard at if there's a conflict we need to talk about it we need to resolve it and we need to do it sooner rather than later and that's been really successful for us but it was hard in the beginning because yeah. it wasn't yeah. natural it wasn't what we had seen growing up or no. yeah. growing up. Yeah, and it's not what many of us see growing up. Um, I, I think I realized that and how, how big of a deal it was for people. Um, there was a few years ago, my husband and I went on a swinger cruise and we were going with another couple from California. So we flew out the night before to their house, um, spent the night with them. And then the next morning we were all getting on the plane to fly to Los Angeles to get on the cruise ship. And our one of our friends, we're at the airport early in the morning, and he's a, he's a bit anal retentive. And he looks at us. He's like, well, you got everything, right? You got your your, your ID. You got your passport. And we went, <gasps> passports. And we had left our passports in Denver. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and we're about to get on a plane to fly to L.A. Oh. to get on a ship. <laughs> oh. And we immediately went into 
how do we fix this? It, there was there was none of the looking at each other and being like, it was your job to get the passport. No, it was your job. Like there was no blaming. There was there was none of that. It was immediate. How do we fix this? What are we going to do? You do this. You do this. You call this person. You call this person. It was immediate teamwork. And I don't even That's think awesome. at, the, at the time that we realized we were doing it, it was it was just kind of automatic for us. And by the end of the day, I mean the passports, we did find a way to get them to the ship literally that day. Thank God for FedEx same day air. Uh, I was just gonna say, <laughs> how did this how did this resolve? <laughs> it was it was very expensive to get the passports there in one day, let me tell you. Uh, I don't recommend it. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, our friends looked at us like that was amazing to watch. Like mm-hmm. you two had this terrible situation and neither one of you got angry. You just immediately went into problem solving mode and you were never upset with each other. You were not blaming. That was so amazing to watch. And I think in that moment, I realized like, wow, you're right. You know, I didn't even, (laughs) I need to talk about that more. I need to teach people like you need to think about this because if you don't consciously think about it, you go to that automatic place of what you learned growing up from your parents, good or bad. That's what you go to. I'm going to make a demand. You have to do a TED talk on this. <laughs> this is fucking TED talk material. Like I'd watch the hell out of that TED talk. It's probably a great idea. I will, I will yeah. write that down. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do like, a TED talk on ABDL anyway. So, you know. <laughs> but I mean, cause you're so right. And it's, you know, I'm trying to think about problems and conflicts that Angela and I have had and how we deal with, I feel like we may not be that smooth and, and well put together because uh, I'm a mess. Uh, but <laughs> I feel like that we do turn towards each other and we we're like, let's, let's fix this. And then we'll be frustrated later. And playing the blame game. And, and later then you forget about the frustration yeah. because it's fixed. Yeah. And playing right. the blame game doesn't do any good. It doesn't yeah. benefit anything. Yeah. The blame game really doesn't do any good. And I think once you can kind of get to that point of, Blaming each other isn't going to solve anything. Let's take a breath, move past that, and go into how do we fix this? Um, because it's it's both our problem. Yeah. It's both yeah. our job to fix it. And I think that you make a good point. So few problems with couples and relationships are a single one-sided problem. Oh, yeah, really. Uh, really. Yeah. Can can we move on to another topic? Oh yes, yes. I'm really uh, curious I mean, about this one. Okay, yeah, go for okay. it. Okay, uh, so I had seen that you do some hypnotherapy. Is that correct? Yes, yes, I do. So I'm really curious about that because Bradford had seen someone down here in Sydney um, a little while ago for some performance anxiety, yeah, performance anxiety yes. and play situations, and he had seen a hypnotherapist down here for that, and it really helped. But it was something we'd never been exposed to before. And I'm just like super curious about that world and and how common is it? Yeah. And, and especially when you look at people in open relationships and that kind of realm, like is, is it something that people look to to help? Um, definitely, because the performance anxiety in open relationships can be a big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even more so in the swinging world than the polyamory world, because you don't necessarily see this person many times. You don't necessarily have built up this long-term rapport. And there is that pressure to feel like, oh, I have to perform this time. 
Mm. Uh, even if I'm going to see them again, because in order to get to see them a second time, I've got to perform well this time. And, and so that pressure, and, and I always tell men, like, you know, the penis has a mind of its own. Um, <laughs> so true. You may think you have control of him, but no, you don't. <laughs> um, and I don't care how much Viagra Cialis you take. If your brain is anxious enough and fearful mm-hmm. enough that it's not going to happen, you can override all the drugs, um, all of the excitement and arousal in the world. Uh, the brain is pretty powerful. It's very, and what you're describing, I've experienced all of that, you know, having, being on Viagra or Cialis and then still not being able to perform and being like having so much fun and being in the moment and experiencing it, but still no erection. Yeah. And, and I always tell people, it's, you're too much in your head and not enough in your body. Yeah. You know, and, and let's face it, sex is a very sensory experience it, and, you know, to do it, really enjoy it well, it's all of your senses it's your sight, it's your smell, it's what you feel, what you hear, what you taste. It's, it's all of it. Mm. And so yeah. the more you can remind yourself to get back in your body. Um, and a lot of times with the hypnosis, that's what I'm doing with people, especially with performance anxiety, is it's reminding them, getting them into a kind of a calm, peaceful place mentally, and then reminding them that's like your body knows how to do this. You, you can't force it and forcing it isn't going to work. The more you can focus on what do you see, hear, smell, taste that's erotic, arousing, exciting, your body will, will work. It knows how to do it. Stop fighting the process and just get back into what you like. Um, yeah, I... Mm-hmm. I often remember this particular incident at, a, at our swing club one years ago, and my husband and I was there, and he had gone off into a room with two women, and I didn't know where he was, and I happened to stick my head in, and he looks at me, he's like, well, come on in. So now he has three. <laughs> Which, you Tough know, life. Yeah. You know, most men who like women, this would be the ultimate dream. Um, and, and he was doing very well, but you know, what I think a lot of men don't realize is that if you're going to have sex with three women all at once, that's pretty tough to maintain an erection for that long. Yeah. There's a lot of downtime. Mm. Yeah. I mean, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty difficult to do. And so of course, like halfway through, um, the, his erection started to wane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what he did that was really great was that he didn't just stop in that moment and be like, oh, the erection's gone. I failed. It's over. He kept going. Like, you know, like there was that part of his brain going, oh, well, my mouth and my fingers still work. Exactly. Yeah. And and quite frankly, they worked very well. And so, you know, as, <laughs> as we were leaving, all three of the women had a huge smile on their face. We were all happy. And he starts coming out of the room going, oh, I screwed up. I lost my erection. And I'm like, oh, no. No, no, no. You are not going to have this wonderful experience with three women, which you've probably thought about your entire life, and, and ruin it by now your perception of what you're telling yourself it means. You know, mm-hmm. and so I had to point out to him of how well he did in that. Yeah. That like, well, yeah. of course you didn't keep your erection for three women. Are you are you no, not very many men win, but you didn't stop. You kept going. And everybody was satisfied and everybody was happy. And and he got to look at his face like, you're right, I did. I'm like, you're damn right you did. 
<laughs> and then you smacked him on the ass and said, play ball. Like, be proud. You know, <laughs> like you did a good job there. No, but you're absolutely right. Cause I've, I've had that same kind of mentality experience where I, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm fucking up. I'm messing up. This is not going to be good. Yeah. But like, honestly, for me, one of my favorite things is oral going down on somebody. Sure. Uh, and so like I have, what I have found is you're spot on. It's, it's not about, I think the part of the problem is, you know, men, young men and young women were raised to think that sex is penis and vagina. Uh, yeah. Very and there's right. other ways to play and other yeah. ways to pleasure someone. Right. And, and we forget yeah. that sex is this wonderful, huge buffet. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yet with our primary partner, we tend to go to, and take the same thing off the buffet every time. And we <laughs> well, forget, I mean, it's delicious. Yeah. We forget <laughs> about all the other stuff that's on there. True. And no matter how much you like certain foods, you're not going to want to eat it every day. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan of pickles. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, there's another pun there. I didn't mean that. But that was a good one. Uh, so sort of steering back towards the hypnotherapy, how did you get – how did you move towards that? How did you get into that? Did it start with like meditation and teaching people how to meditate and sort of become mindful? I'm trying to, it's been a number of years now. Um, I think I just, I it just felt, I, I had seen some people do some um, hypnotherapy work and I just thought, wow, that is so cool. I want to be able mm-hmm. to do that. And so I started studying it um, and, and working towards getting certification and uh, and it is one of those things that I, I will tell you, the, the people who are really the best at it have been doing it for 30, 40 years. And so, you know, the, the really skilled people are like 70 years old. Um, and so it's, it's, so it's a little humbling that, you know, even when you've got, um, you know, 10 years experience, you still feel like such a novice because there's so much to learn in that field. And and to, to learn it, you have to experience it. Like that's part of the training is that they you know, you get hypnotized multiple times. And so you, you see what the experience is like. And so you kind of know that it's not all the things that people fear. Um, like you're not under anybody's control. It's not really mind control. Um, and I always tell people, I'm not, I'm not going to hypnotize you to go rob a bank and bring me all the money. Um, <laughs> Because if, if I could do that, I wouldn't need to do this other work. You know, I do that all the time. You know, um, the, the so the therapist that I went to, he said, "I cannot make you do anything you don't want to do." Exactly. He's like, you know, nothing. When you see hypnotism, nothing that is being done is something that the person wouldn't do. Right, because so many people have seen the stage hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I started studying hypnosis before I'd ever seen a stage hypnosis, so I didn't quite understand why people thought it was like, why are you thinking that? Until the first time I saw one, um, and people don't understand the the little pieces about stage hypnosis that once you know enough about hypnotherapy, you can go, oh, I see what they're doing here. You know, because the first thing they do is they ask for volunteers and you have these people who are running towards the stage to be up there. Yeah. So you've already got people who want to do this. They want to be up on stage. They want to kind of be made a fool of. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And then as they go through the group, they're going through basic initial trance stuff. And the people who don't go into trance easily, they excuse from the stage. So now you've got people who are very willing and easily hypnotizable. Well, of course it's going to work. <laughs> of course you're going to get them to do silly things. And yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. And, and People don't realize that in clinical practice, that's not what it's like. You know, I'm not giving them this, um, what, what's the term you call that? Where you have the, you say, somebody says the word ketchup and all of a sudden you take off your left sock and shoe. Like a trigger, like a trigger yeah, word. A trigger word, yeah. Um, like, that's not what I'm going to do unless I'm using a trigger word that's going to help you with whatever you want to use. Like, then I might do that that sort of trigger word or uh, bring your thumb and forefinger together. And when you feel them touch, it will remind you that, you know, whatever the thing is. I I know I really enjoyed it and I know it helped me. And what's interesting still to me is that in certain play situations, I'll get an imagery flash of something that I know that he planted in my brain. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that to me still surprises me. And I guess it shouldn't surprise me. I mean, we do that with a lot of things. I think a lot of us through smells and like food is often one you mm-hmm. think of a memory, but yeah, there's, there's still times that as play starts, I'll get that flash and I'm like, Oh, cool. This is comforting. <laughs> um, and, and it does. I, so anybody who's thinking about it, like you, it's definitely something it that was really good for is you. Really good. Yeah. yeah. No, it can work very well. And I, I often tell people I use it a lot with things like anxiety, performance anxiety, uh, rapid ejaculation issues. Hypnosis works mm-hmm. really well for. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But even, I mean, I have done it for things like smoking cessation. And, and I always tell them if you're not ready to stop, there's nothing I can do that's going to get you to stop smoking. Yeah. You have to be in that place where you're you're mentally ready to say, no, I'm I'm over this. I I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, like you said, you can't make someone do something that they don't already want to on right. some level. Yeah. I, I had one person come to see me and he was actually a physician. So he was a medical doctor and he was having trouble with performance anxiety with his wife. Um mm-hmm. and we worked with the hypnosis a little bit and it really wasn't helping. And so we dove in a little bit more about, well, what's going on with the relationship with your wife? And then it became very obvious that the big issue was that if he ever had any trouble with erections, she immediately assumed, you don't love me anymore. I've gained too much weight. You're having an affair with one of your nurses. And she would just kind of like go off on him. And so now every time he doesn't have an erection, he's afraid of she's going to go off on me. Yeah, so it's like, a circular problem. Right. I'm like, until we get your wife in here and help her get over this fear that mm-hmm. she has, that she's, you know, her own insecurity, your erection issues are not going to get better, no matter yeah. how much hypnosis I do with you, because we haven't dealt with the source. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a fascinating, I, I love the subject matter, and it's something that I'm really excited, it yeah. excites me. And I think that, um, before I did it, I was like, no, that's, that's interesting. But now having experienced it, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, this is such an interesting tool. And it's a shame that we don't use it for more things. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it is a shame we don't use it for more things. Um, because I, I have seen great success with it. And again, it's with certain people, nothing works com- Fair enough. Yeah. with everyone. Um, but it can be very powerful and very successful. Yeah. It's great. I love yeah. it. It's so fascinating. 
Oh, it is. Especially just seeing how, how it worked with you and like, and seeing Bradford when he would come home from a session and just kind of like, you know, your state of mind and, and you were like really excited and, but in a good place. And it yeah. was, yeah, mm-hmm. it was lovely. Oh yeah. No, it, it is a great feeling. And I, I really do enjoy doing it. Excellent. Well, we have taken up a lot of your time and we totally appreciate it and would love to have you back on. You've been so much fun and easy to talk to. Oh, thank you. I would love to come back. And yes, let me know anytime and we can set up another time and maybe talk about another subject or something. Absolutely. 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 (laughs) Dr. Rhoda, how can people find you? What can they, where can they get your book? Um, The book you can easily get on Amazon. Excellent. Um, and if you can't remember the title, you can just go to my website, which is drrhoda.com. So drrhoda, R-H-O-D-A.com. And there is a page for the book and that'll give you a link right to Amazon. If For people who are looking for help with open relationships, um, there's a page on there talking about that, um, as well as a, an online course I created for people who are brand new to open relationships to kind of teach them how to do it and, and all the different things they have to think about to make it successful. And then there's a couple of pages on ABDL too for, for people from that community. And um, sometimes I end up doing um, expert witness testimony, especially in like child custody cases when a spouse is trying to use it against a partner to say, oh, well, you're, you're not a competent parent, so I should have full custody. And it's like, hmm. Mm. So I've had to do that sometimes too. So there's information on that on there as well for anybody who needs it. Interesting. Interesting, We'll put that link in our show notes. So anybody who's listening can find that. Oh, that would be great. Thank you. Um, Yeah. And so one last thing, I guess with this, in the, in the after times, in the COVID-19 times, are you doing (laughs) online counseling and therapy? Yeah. Right now I'm doing all online. Excellent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming then that you could worldwide, anybody worldwide who's listening could reach out to you. Yeah. I can do coaching, sexuality coaching with anyone in the world. Excellent. Um, traditional psychotherapy has to be somebody within the state of Colorado just because of okay. the right. licensing rules. But my style tends to be more towards the coaching style anyway. So it's not really that different for most people. Um, I'm not one of those who does that kind of deep psychological dive, trying to look at all of the stuff from your childhood. It's more about, okay, what happened in the past? What's not working? What have you tried to do that's working? How can we make the present better? It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. It's been really great to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Again, a huge thank you to Dr. Rhoda for coming on. So many thanks. It was so fascinating, and I hope that you learned something just like we did. Yes, and don't worry. We will have her back on. Uh, there's still still things that we need to talk about with her, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, and we'll put all of her contact information and links in the show notes. Yep. Uh, but it is drrhoda.com, so you can go there and find it. Yep. Um, and... To find us, you go to www.bythebuy.com.au and you can find us on all of our socials. We're at By the By Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And once again, go to patreon.com slash by the by podcast and you can get uh, some some cool stuff like, uh, like your own cum rags. And we've got uh, a video up there now. We've got another video that is currently being edited for our drunken sex toy reviews that uh, is... Uh, exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. Yes. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? No. No? Cool. Just excited for this video to get out so people can see it. Yeah, you betcha. 
<laughs> cool. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.